welcome to the Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce and separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable and host of the Divorce Podcast. During this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Bob Grieg, co-director of Only Mums and Only Dads. Bob's a dad of two and founded Only Dads in 2007, having recognised a lack of dependable online information and support for families going through divorce and separation. Bob's well-known in the media and comments on issues around fatherhood and single parenting. Welcome, Bob. Thank you for having me, Kate. Good to talk. Great to have you. Bob, let's start, if we may, by telling me a little bit about the mission and purpose of Only Dads. That's a good place to start. Just to go back to the beginning of Only Dads, one of the things we've tried to do is address questions that the public are asking. We offer support via email and live chat through our websites, and we get asked a variety of questions, often around domestic abuse and especially child contact. So what we've tried to do on our websites is, I suppose this is our sort of key mission really, is to provide information that is up-to-date, accurate, and freely accessible. So one of the things that we've been doing over the years is constantly updating and renewing the words, the actual words and articles on our website, and we try and approach leading specialists and professionals to provide that guidance on the website, and all of that is freely accessible. Because that's really important, isn't it? The narrative around all of these subjects, divorce, separation, co-parenting, domestic abuse, the narrative around that is often driven by quite sensationalist words that the media put out there. And actually having some more neutrally sounding words, and words that people can understand rather than the legal jargon really seems important. Is that part of why you're doing this? I think it's vital to have that neutral balanced and accurate approach to many of these areas. As you say, Kate, a lot of the media coverage of divorce and separation is celebrity-led and sensationalist. And also you get a lot of half-baked opinions and myths online and through social media. So one of the things we sort of pride ourselves on, really, is that we have websites where accurate information clearly set out is freely available. And another example of that uh, mission, we've recently launched our Green Phone Initiative. So the Green Phone Initiative is aimed at domestic abuse situations that can arise, especially during this time of COVID. And we now have a 100 plus solicitors and barristers around um, the whole of the UK, that's England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, who will offer anyone concerned about 
domestic abuse in their household a free, totally free, no conditions attached consultation. And during that consultation, what we've asked them to do is set out the legal options that are open to people looking to sort their problem out with the help of the law. So, again, that's trying to get the very best possible advice at no cost. And I know they can't deal with the whole case, but what in that situation, what they can do is steer people in the right direction. Yeah. Have you seen a big uplift? I mean, there's been uplift reported, hasn't there, across the media in cases of domestic abuse. So is the green phone in response to that uplift or is it something that was happening anyway? It's been on our mind to do something around like this for domestic abuse for for years, actually. The the COVID, again, I've seen some remarkable figures online talk of a 700% increase I read from. We, we, we haven't seen that. We have seen an uplift. There's, there's a, a sort of handful more cases per day which mention domestic abuse or, as is often the case with our emails, they don't mention domestic abuse, but instinct tells us there's an abusive relationship going on. Those are more nuanced emails that we get where you can just sense that things aren't right. People don't always recognise when they're in a, especially a coercive type relationship. It's not always obvious to those in those relationships and perhaps more obvious to those on the outside. Right. And so when people contact you, Bob, are they contacting you through only dads or only mums? So just explain the relationship between the only dads and only mums kind of brands. Okay, there's one brand and it's only mums and only dads. And if people want to know, we're a a registered not-for-profit. We we registered as a community interest company. So it's only mums and only dads. What we do have within that one organisation is we run two websites. So it's onlydads.org and onlymums.org. In theory, dads are supposed to contact only dads and mums are supposed to contact mm-hmm. only mums, but it doesn't work like that. And to this day, and it's always been this way, only dads gets a substantial amount of questions from mums on a variety of subjects but one of the ones that both interests and depresses me is those mums who ask us only dads how to get their ex-partner more engaged in the life of their child and that's a really from where I'm sat I've got the majority of emails from dads saying they want more contact and mums telling me that they want their ex to have more contact and the two don't fit together very neatly. So what's going on there then, Bob? What's what's the disconnect if there's the two different constituent parts both wanting the same outcome? What's going wrong? That's a really good question. I've been running only dads for 13, 14 years, and I I don't know the answer, Kate. I'll deal with each in turn as best I can. I hope this doesn't upset your viewers, and I will state it. 
um, as plainly as I can. There are mums and dads who, when they get divorced, dislike, distrust each other so much, they will get to hurt the ex-partner through not allowing them to see the children. Right. I've heard that from mums and dads repeatedly. The phrase used often by parents is children being used as a pawn, a disposable piece on the chessboard. With the dads who aren't engaging, I imagine there there can be a lot of reasons for that. Reasons I've heard from dads who have chosen to cut off is when they engage with mum over issues like contact, everything becomes very fraught and arguments can ensue. And I've heard from dads who say it's so upsetting for the children that it's probably best, at least in the short term, that they just back off, as they would put it, which is terribly sad, but it's real life. I've also heard from dads who, again, they may not use the phrase mental health or mental illness, but a lot of dads post-separation can become quite depressed, clinically depressed, and seeing the children just may be a step too far. Those cases are really difficult. You hope they get better. It sounds like some of this is around the relationship as people end their marriages or their you know relationships. It sounds like it's the the breakdown of the relationship is causing the children issues. And if people could break up more successfully, then these issues would potentially be far fewer. Is that fair enough? I mean, it, it is, is it fair, about Kate, and and your your organisation is called Amicable, but you will know that many parents separate the opposite of amicable. Yeah, you know, absolutely. they end up contesting each other and certainly mistrusting each other. Trust we often say amicable yeah. the, an aspiration a lot of the time rather than the, the state where people are starting from. So you're right, we, we often find ourselves coaching people who aren't amicable but who want to be and are looking for support and help. But kind of my contention would be that everybody needs some support and help at the outset of deciding to separate and or divorce. And unless we can provide that help for people, then it seems that the natural follow-on for that can be the difficulties with contact and with ensuring that the children have a relationship with both parents. Yes. Again, I, I'm not going to hesitate in saying I think family courts, while they may find a solution, many would say it's not always the right solution, but in that process they can make things, do make things worse. It's it, it's that win-lose, black-and-white approach of the law, which just doesn't work for families. No, families are complex and nuanced, and the law is, is complex and very unnuanced. Neither, that's quite right. It's a very brutal process going through Children Act proceedings. I speak from 
personal experience, it's incredibly difficult and nobody comes out winning in that scenario, whatever verdict or outcome you get. The process has destroyed the relationship that you have with the other co-parent to the point where picking up after that becomes incredibly challenging. And I imagine you must pick up the pieces a lot of the time from that kind of outcome. You you do, Kate, and your your, your experience is interesting. It's I mean, the reason behind Only Dads was my own journey through family court where, apart from the divorce, which was the easy bit, it was the Children Act proceedings. I'd never been in a court before when I first arrived at a family court. And I thought the matter I went there with would be over in, well, literally a day or two. I I wasn't saying that over... 14 months later and nine court hearings I just could not believe how and I I still find it difficult to understand just why these issues take so long to go through the court system it seems incredibly so and all that time you're you're losing the time to have a situation where you'll be able to parent how you want to parent and, and getting an effective co-parenting relationship up and running it, it does feel very very detrimental it, well it, it is because it, during that time of course what you're doing is setting yourself up against the other parent yeah so instead of that battle if you like lasting a few days it turns into years and it's not unknown Kate for us to get emails from dads who've been going through this four five six sometimes much longer number of years and it that's just not putting children first. It's, it's the opposite of that. Yeah. What do you think, Bob, have been the biggest changes you've seen since you set up in 2007? How's the post bag metamorphosized? Well, I don't think it has changed that much. I think that's part of the problem. Right. I think one of the messages we've been trying to get across, and personally I try and get this across to every dad, I engage with is try not to follow that fathers for justice line that the whole thing is biased against you i think there's a hundred problems with the family law system but solicitors and judges and kafka's officers being biased against dads i just don't think is one of them and i know that view isn't popular but i i honestly don't believe judges wake up in the morning and think, I tell you what, I'm going to do some dads over this morning. I just don't think they think like that. I think there is a genuine attempt to put children first. And again, this is this may upset people, but it's a sweeping generalisation and sometimes we they can serve a purpose. The majority of parenting in most families is still done by mums. That's statistically proved. So it's not illogical for the courts to try and keep that situation post-separation. That is not to say they're biased against dads. Two different things. No, I agree. And I wonder whether, although lockdown has been terrible on so many levels, but whether or not it's also created part of what probably needs to change 
for things to start to be more equal in terms of parenting. So I sort of think or feel from talking to, you know, lots of our customers and people we support that there's been an opportunity for people to spend more time at home with their children, dads in particular, and with new ways of working. So there isn't necessarily the rush back to the office. I wonder whether there's going to be the start of a movement towards more flexible working for dads in particular towards there being a shift in the way that traditional parenting roles have evolved. Well, I don't know whether my neighbours listen to your podcasts, but (laughs) I have a a lovely family who live opposite me. And the, the dad in that family is a commercial solicitor who has been basically, I don't know whether he's been furloughed or whether he's just spending a lot more time at home. But I was talking to him just the other day and he said exactly that case, that he's loved the father time so much that he's determined to try and work out a situation where he either goes back part time or works from home a good chunk of the week. So he doesn't miss out on that fathering. I've been lucky. Through my court process, I ended up with a residency order for my two daughters. I'm not going to go into details of that, but that was the the right decision then. So I've done lots of fathering and it is it is the most rewarding thing in the world. Absolutely. And I think lockdowns probably has provided an opportunity for people to do more than just, you know, do the school run a couple of times a week and get a round of applause. I think it's just a lot more sort of global the way dads have been able to be part of that family life. And I think employers now have to listen that it doesn't matter whether you're a mum or a dad, if you're a parent and you want to have that flexibility of working to be around, then that's the important thing. Because sometimes it's just the being there. It's not about doing specific events. It's just the being around when you have those amazing conversations or when you have those kind of real emotional touch points, isn't it? And so often we focus on doing jobs for our children like taking them places or or picking them up from stuff but actually just being in the home when they are around there's a real value in that so I I, one of my hopes for lockdown is that employers will look at the way that people with families are able to work in a more flexible way because I think that's what will make a bigger change and I think if we have that expectation from the outset then if something awful happens and people decide to separate it's going to be easier to maintain the status quo and the status quo will be having both parents involved whereas as you say at the moment very often the status quo is having mainly mum involved so I'm hopeful from that perspective. I think that's wonderful thinking Kate and I hope you're right and I've had a few conversations in the years of running only dads which will stick with me forever. I had one with a dad who may well be listening to this and um, he said to me and I think he was speaking for dads everywhere but he said I don't want to see my children on Saturday and go to McDonald's and a theme park I want to do and these are his exact words I want to do the maths homework on a Tuesday evening and deal with the tears during the homework session and I know exactly what he meant. Real, real parenting, getting down with the harder stuff. And um, maybe, Kate, if you're right, 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands um, more dads will get to experience more of that in the future, which would be a, a marvellous thing. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, do you have specific advice for dads who maybe are at the start of a separation? What should we be doing? You know, how can you help? What would you tell them in terms of navigating a separation and making sure they feel and are part of their children's lives? So that's a really good question. There, there are certain themes which I keep on coming out with and in no particular order and depending on the conversation at the time, you will hear me say things like try and mediate a solution. That can be mediation through a professional mediator or through a third party friend or maybe directly with your ex-partner, but try and avoid family courts. Try and avoid that courtroom. And when mediation fails, as it sadly often does, go back to it. Keep trying. Maybe take a couple of weeks off, but just try and find that solution. The other bit of advice I've had to give to dads, sometimes dads end up doing things on their own and trying to navigate their way through what is for many a legal system and probably a system of which they have no knowledge. So one of the things that we do say is sometimes getting even a little bit of professional opinion, even if you can't afford the you know, full caseload to a solicitor, maybe getting some initial advice and setting you in the right direction can be a really valuable thing. That's been a constant theme throughout the podcast, the need for people to have what's called early neutral advice, you know, a, a gut just to set the parameters out so you know that if you're trying to aim for something that's totally unrealistic, at least you can have that conversation and you can understand where the parameters are before you start getting heated and trying to negotiate for something that's just not feasible. So I think that's a real common theme. The other thing I encourage dads not to do is join a campaigning organisation during their own separation. If you go online onto something like Twitter any day, you will see thousands of tweets asking for this, that and the other often around shared parenting or 50-50 childcare. And the advice I give to dads is your, your relationship with your children is the most important thing and give all your energy to sorting that. And once that's sorted, if, if campaigning is something you're interested in, it's going to be after your own process has been gone through is the time to do that not during i also have a hesitation with some of these campaign groups because they can be they can tend towards misogyny and anti this and anti that and it's just not very constructive yeah so i think related to that is another bit of advice which i've got better at doing and that's talking about mental health and I was part of a dad's group, Kate, we're based in Totnes, for dads going through divorce and separation. We used to meet on Monday evenings, and one meeting, just out of interest, it had been raised throughout the meeting on the odd occasion. I asked the question, how many men here 
and there were nine of us in total, um, have suffered during or post-separation with a mental health issue. And all nine raised their hand. And it's a bit of a topic that doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. So during conversations, I will routinely ask men if they're looking after their mental health and if there's any doubt at all that they're struggling to go straight to their GP. GPs are the gateway to specialist services. So for anyone listening, if you know somebody going through separation, it can be male or female, having that conversation about mental health will not be a waste of time. No, and sometimes you have to ask more than once, don't you, Bob, to really get the answer because we're very good as a society, aren't we, or as a culture here, about just saying people ask you, are you okay? You sort of automatically fire back a, yes, fine, how are you? Fine. And sometimes it's just about saying again, are you really fine? And normalising the fact that for most people going through something like this, they're not fine for a lot of the time. No, when I was going through health, uh, that hellish experience of family courts, my boss, I'm going to name him, his name is Charles. And Charles used to ask me once a week, are you okay, Bob? Are you okay? And I always answered yes. And I I I thought if I said no, I'd have ended up being sacked or dismissed or I'd got into my head that he was really looking for a weakness. And I saw him, caught up with him. I've moved jobs more heavy since then. I caught up with him a couple of years ago and I mentioned this to him. He said, no, I, he said, I just wanted to make sure you were okay because you seem to be struggling. Mm. It was just genuine. It was coming from a place of genuine care. And concern. And yeah. Complete denial. Not good. No. But I think uh, as a society, we have to get better, don't we, at admitting when things aren't great. And like you say, there are gateways to support. There are. There are not easy answers. Just getting support doesn't make everything all right. There's still a big journey to go on. But the first step is to get the support in place. And I I think, you know, I can only echo what you say, that, that going to the GP, finding somebody to talk to, admitting that it's not all right was always the best thing to do. I mean, how anyone can be all right, as you say, when they're going through the family court system is beyond me. It's such a harrowing event. So, yeah. Bob, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. Where can people find out more about you and the work of Only Mums and Only Dads? The starting point is onlydads.org and onlymums.org, two websites, one organisation. Brilliant. And of course, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kate underscore daily. And you can also find out more about the podcast and subscribe for updates by visiting www.thedivorcepodcast.com. Thanks very much to our guest today, Bob, and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.